Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife's Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife, and I'm catching up on a review I wanted to do a couple of days ago, but haven't done because of some appointments I was dealing with. Uh, going to a dentist, going to doctors, doing the other stuff. Nothing serious, just checking things out, making sure nothing's wrong. But I'd put this off for a couple of days, but I found time uh, nice and early on a Tuesday morning, before one of those appointments actually, to talk about a game that I hadn't played in a long time, but I went back to it over winter time just to kind of refresh myself so I could review it. And what I found was it stood up after a decade. And as you can see, I'm talking about Bravely Default. So, word of um, word of an intro here. Uh, Final Fantasy and I have an <laughs> interesting feel. And even more interesting now that Final Fantasy 16 has come out. And obviously, I will be talking about that someday. But after the merger, um, pretty much after Final Fantasy X, mainline Final Fantasy games and Final Fantasy games in general have kind of just <laughs> done their own thing and left us old schoolers, uh, i.e. most of us complainers, admittedly, behind. Uh, and being a staunch defender of the old school and that things should never change, uh, we needed an outlet for that. I went with Persona and Dragon Quest. Yakuza went in turn. Other people have been like, Final Fantasy should go turn-based and do other things. You know, so believe us when we say that we're very opinionated. Um, but again, I'm not going to go on that rant because I go on that rant all the time. But when we are thrown a bone, you remember that Final Fantasy and <laughs> Square Enix still held a place when they do it right, which makes you wonder why they forgot. But anyway, if you need any reason as to why the turn-based system still can work, look no further than Bravely Default. When this came out, no, it didn't sell Gangbusters because it was a new IP for a 3DS game. But, hey, it sold really well because you did the thing that you're good at because you do the thing. Um, you know, because Sakaguchi left and did stuff like lost odyssey and whatever so people in in the development team because again final fantasy does different things the reason i'm bringing up final fantasy is because bravely default is final fantasy for <laughs> lack of a better term just out of different names it's got some different mechanics but f it's final fantasy okay and it does the final fantasy things it is the Final Fantasy things, it wants to be the Final Fantasy things, and for people looking for that old school itch that they were never going to get again, other than the pixel remasters, or other franchises sticking to their guns, this is kind of what we get, and Octopath does it in a different way, but I bring up Octopath because the person who developed this game, and Octopath, Tomoya Asano, or Asano, has kind of made it his thing. I mean, and there are other games like... I'm, I'm trying to think. Bravely, t Bravely Default, Bravely Second, 
warrior uh, heroes of light i'm i'm getting warriors love of light and heroes of light confused it's not dio field chronicle but there was another one that was a i believe it was a strategy based game but asano's team for the last decade have been working on smaller scale things for smaller platforms like the ds and 3ds work for octopath traveler for the switch and whatnot and again they have not been the million sellers that the millions that say Final Fantasy 16 would be or Final Fantasy 7 remake would be they're not trying to be they go for a much smaller scale but they still have an audience because people like me won't stop shutting the fuck up about it um but if you know anything about the first 10 Final Fantasy games or namely the first five you kind of know what you're getting into because really it is trying to be Final Fantasy 1 it is trying to be Final Fantasy 3 specifically Final Fantasy V, um, because the job system is a big component of that. So it took the engine from the, I believe it was the DS game, Four Warriors of Light, or Four Heroes of Light. And to be honest, that game's kind of... It's fine, but it shows its age, and it in, even in, say, the dungeon design in this game, it shows its kind of cracks in the system... Those aspects in this game are not all that amazing, but there are some things that still, you know, they really expanded on because they took that skeleton and they they definitely improved on it and made it a big deal. Um, there are still aspects of this game, story-wise, that have gone down in history as mistakes, but... They they tried some things and they didn't work. I give them some credit because they stuck to their guns and tried to make an old school experience while trying to craft a story and a and a and a feel for the world. But you know, I don't think it panned out the way they were hoping for. But you get those kinds of experiences sometimes, right? Um, far be it for me to say what about whatever plot twist, and I'll get to it. This will be a spoilerific review. Um, but because I'm going to have to talk about that plot twist, so I'm going to talk about how the story goes, but, um, you know, stuff like Star Ocean 3. Now, Star Ocean 3 had it terrible, <laughs> admittedly, because it was executed poorly, it was a stupid plot twist to begin with, and it ruined the entire franchise until 6, I guess, um, because apparently 6 is awesome, and I couldn't play it because of my vision, and it had a HUD that was really fucking small. Anyway, but... I'm not saying Bravely Default's problem is that bad because it's a new franchise. It can do what it wants. It's not have the weight of the world and its entire timeline and you know canon completely wasted. It was a it was a trial and it was an interesting thing. But we'll get to that when we get to the plot. But we'll do plot and characters first, and then we'll talk about the battle system. The battle system is what holds this game together. But there are many things that still work in other areas that are really good. But we're in a world, I believe it's called Luxendark. And in a small town called Norende, and nearby, in a different part of the world, but also close by, two characters kind of intersect and kind of meet up as the two de facto main characters. Uh, at The first thing we're shown is Agnes Oblige, voiced by Aaron Fitzgerald. And her character is just... I'm I'm 
sheltered nun, basically. I am sheltered nun, head priest, kind of guardian of the crystal. And her role is that of Vestal. Her idea is that she's basically just been trained all her life to take care of the crystals and the wind crystal in particular. So whatever reason, her place is overrun and shit goes south. All the while, at the same time, there's an earthquake at a small town, uh, Norende, and Tiz Arier, voiced by Bryce Pappenbrook, just small town farm boy, you know, goody two-shoes, you know, he's a slice of bread. Those two characters are slices of bread, I'm not gonna lie, they're not all that interesting. But they are tasked, you know, basically figuring out what's going on. So the earthquake happens... Tiz loses his brother and the rest of his family and basically the entire town to some unforeseen weird horror. So he wakes up in a different city called Caldisla and shit happens. Says, okay, I, I need to figure out what, what happens. They meet up. Um, Agnes does not know what the fuck's going on. But she's sheltered, but she's learning the way of the world because Tiz is a down-to-earth guy. Um, so they kind of hit it off as, as an item, but not really, because again, they're just kind of there, but they're not the only main characters, thank God, because the game would be very boring if they were. Um, they are attacked by the Duchy of Eternia. They are an invading force from the north, I think expanding their territory, trying to get the crystals for some unforeseen reason that gets revealed once they, you know, do plot bullshit. But one of those people is Adia Lee, or Idiot, as the second game would go. I know, Adia Lee is great. They do Idiot in the second game. It's going to get confusing, so whenever I, I say her name. But Adia is the best character in the game. Um, she's voiced by Cassandra Lee Morris, and she's very moody, very opinionated, very, the world is black and white, you're a bitch, and I hate you kind of person. And she has this like weird catchphrase where where whenever she gets pissed off, she goes, you know, and it 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 becomes a thing, you know, because because, again, most of these characters are very stock. Uh, but Agnes has this thing where she says, that's unacceptable, you know, and Idea has the murder and his is a slice of bread. But whatever. But uh, also, while they're doing their bullshit, there's yet another fourth character. Um, Ring-a-Bell, voiced by Spike Spencer. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was Shinji in the American version of Evangelion. He couldn't be any further from those two characters as polar opposites if you tried. And I've actually met him, and trust me, he's more of a Ring-a-Bell than a Shinji. Because <laughs> in a, in convention spaces, holy shit! I talked to him during a couple of um, a couple of panels, and hot damn, does he not, not sound anything like Shinji? But hey, it made him money, so what am I saying? But ring a bell. His thing is he's a womanizer, and he will tell you every single goddamn second. If you like characters like Zidane from Final Fantasy IX, Ring-A-Bell is your guy. If you don't, he is insufferable. So, it can either be Zidane, 
where it's halfway decent and touching because he's very nice and determined and whatever, despite it. Or he can be Teddy from Persona 4. <laughs> There's no in-between. Either, you either like the guy or you hate the guy and you wish he would shut the fuck up. So now you know why I like Idea more than anybody. Two slices of bread, one complete Teddy, and Idea. But whatever. So those four are your main characters. And um, Agnes's um, companion, this little fairy known as Aerie. Okay. <laughs> Voiced by Stephanie Shea, kind of go around finding crystals and fighting your enemies of Eternia. So their idea is they have to kind of go from city to city to city and do all the things. And they keep fighting enemies of Eternia. And part of the fun is that Bravely does make a point to give everybody a character, even the bosses. And I said this in the Yamato review, where when you give the characters something to work on, either they know Idea as members of Eternia, maybe they know Agnes because they're Vestals, maybe they know Tiz for some other reason, maybe they know Ringabel, or he's got some amnesia, because that's his other trait, is he has amnesia and will forget it here and there. Um, so they constantly interact and deal with things. So Eternian forces keep going after crystals, the other characters keep going after crystals, and they does fights. So they has the fights. And the game runs on the assumption that you understand how job system works. Because every boss battle, aside from, you know, facing off against crystal bosses or uh, dragons or whatever, most of the time you're going to be fighting humanoid bosses who have asterisks, which are the names for the jobs. You've got Black Mage, White Mage, Dragoon, Knight, Ninja, Samurai. You name it. They're, rever they're revamped versions of those jobs. And might as well talk about the battle system and get back to the story in a minute. But Because that way I can kind of talk about how the story interacts and intersects. But the idea about this is Final Fantasy III's battle system, Final Fantasy V's revamped battle system, mostly how Final Fantasy V perceived it. Because this game does not force you into certain jobs to get through a thing you have pretty much free reign as long as you get the job and a lot of it is side questing so every so often you'll have the main objective marker in the city you're doing but every every so often you do a part and then you go around and do a thing and then you get another quest quest mark which is usually in blue and it will say hey if you go here something might happen and you keep following it you might fight the bosses and those bosses are in, are important because they will open up the the asterisks and then you get more versatility. Because you have the Final Fantasy 3 and 5 system, but it is more geared towards syncing up damage and defense and battle management um, more so than anything else. Because a lot of the bosses you're going to be dealing with are absolute tanks. I've seen some boss fights, and I, I rewatched footage again to go through this. Um, some boss fights, if you're not prepared, will either be the easiest thing you do, sort of okay, but still very long, or, oh my fucking god, will you just die? 
you know, I, I have seen that. And that was kind of the way Final Fantasy VII Remake was, where if you didn't do it properly or if you even set up your characters properly, you're in for a long chip damage sort of situation. But the way the system works is it's based on braving and defaulting. Now, braving and defaulting, the way that works is that aside from just taking turns in battle, enemies and allies both have these markers that go, I believe, from minus four to plus four or negative three to plus three. And if you default, that's essentially guarding. So you guard against damage. Sometimes you can guard against uh, status effects, but some games are different than others, so don't quote me on it. But the idea is you're having the damage, and you you gain a point. If you brave, you get to use that turn that you have now and another turn. So you're saving turns so that you can bum rush enemies all at once. In most random encounters, you're probably not going to suffer too much. So most characters can just... And just rush the enemies with swords and attacks and whatever. But the, the novelty of this system is that they've t tuned the bosses in such a way that they can do the same to you. They brave, they default in different manners so that they utilize their skill sets. Some of them are very defensive, like the knight or the, or specifically the samurai or swordmaster. Um, swordmaster specifically, I remember quite vividly, the idea is that he picks a type, whether it's physical or magic damage, and sometimes, like early on, it will take half damage but then he will come back and do more damage to you if he predicted it right so if you predicted physical damage and he does physical damage you encounter it and do that and do a lot of damage back to him if you miss well you fucked up so later on you get a second version of that which is stronger so you take more damage you don't basically guard you take full-on damage but you do like 4x damage or something like that to that damage uh some enemies are hey do a damage to i think archer is like damage to yeah archer hunter whatever is damage is to aquatic types so blah, 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 blah. you do damage to slimes you do damage to elementals you do damage to whatever you know that sort of thing um you've got pop stars and idols they can do buffs for your entire characters so the idea is that they're kind of geared towards you either do damage you do support you do battery management which which they call bp which is brave points so you you manage everybody's batteries so that they can constantly keep either defaulting or braving and it's not really costing them anything because that's what you could do you could use certain things and certain skills to keep giving you brave points so you can keep effectively avoiding that negative three or negative four and that's really the big thing because you want to keep doing damage so finding jobs that not only keep you healed like mages and uh, i believe it's physician or doctor or Spirit Master, I think there's a technical one, versus pure damage-focused jobs like, say, Black Mage, or Fighter, or Monk, if you're going physical, you get a chance to experiment. Because the job system allows you, I believe, 15 level-ups. 
and you get job points. So the idea is that you can build and build and build. You get you get abilities like in Final Fantasy V, which is why I keep bringing up Final Fantasy V because that was the first one to really allow you to keep skills and then use them in a second job. So if you wanted a monk that could still use magic, you could do that. May not be the best healer or the best damager out of nowhere, but if you wanted that damage to dealer to do something else, like guard, you take one thing at night and then you move it to monk. Same idea. So same idea applies. Everybody can be whatever they want. So if you are in the market for a game that allows you to mess around with the system and tinker with different things that range from any ability this is an expansion of even what final fantasy 5 achieved way back when so it's a lot of similarities but still a lot of cool ingrained ideas that they've changed around and fooled with and even bravely second they changed around the characters again so they they some do better than others I'm not one of these people that like knows every little nuance of every single fight, but there are people that are like, use this strategy to kill everything at this point of the game, you know, min-maxing, basically, and they just know every single aspect of it. But if you're if you're a sucker for that sort of system, you've got that. And, of course, there are things like... Um, because it's all about synchronizing jobs. Because you can't just have four damage dealers. I mean, you could, but it would be... It'd probably get you wasted pretty quick. You can't have four mages, you know, because then where's your physical damage come from if you fight, a, you know, a defensive boss? Um, you know, a magic defensive boss. Stuff like that. So you also get stuff like daily SP. You get these things called special moves that are... If you do 10 certain attacks or you finagle certain attacks on this turn, you can now do whatever. You piece together little bits and pieces of things that you get to do the thing. And that's sort of a limit break thing. And multiple people can get it. So it lasts about a good 45 seconds to a minute. Then your buffs go away and then you can do it again. You know, cool little aspects to the battle system. That is really a good draw. But don't let that fool you because the music is good, the story is good. We'll get back to the story in a minute, but I wanted to to spend that time talking about the battle system because, again, the way you build a battle system is you have to deal with Idea's former comrades in the Duchy of Eternia, whether they're good people, whether they're bad people, whether they're just people you've never met, like this thief who's, you know, stealing stuff in the desert because the desert sucks, you know, this place causing taxation because the Vestal's being a bitch, you know, or using that as, as intimidation for running the city into the ground, you know, for profit and for, you know, shits and gills, because there are people that do that. Um, so everybody has a reason for being there and everybody's different. So you have people that aren't really the nicest, but aren't really mean either. They just trying to survive in most cases. But a lot of people in this game, in the second game, they try something a little different and it's more of a, more of a crisis of conscience kind of thing. Um, so that mechanic, I'll talk about that if I, when I do bravely second someday, but for all intents and purposes, most of Idia's, f- not friends, but comrades in Eternia are fighting a, fighting them to get the crystals. So they keep fighting, and they keep fighting, and they keep fighting, and they get to Eternia. And Idia I- I- fights her father, 
And that's when she gets the Templar set up, which is its own crazy job class. So what happens is that they get to that crystal and they try to awaken it. And then they wake up. And it seems like time is looped. And then things start happening again. It's weird because the game loops and it's like nothing ever happened, but you remember everything that happened in the original loop, but nobody else does. And yet they have different dialogue. So sometimes you fight them again. Sometimes you fight them in groups of three. So some of the bosses that you had before are now teaming up to kick the shit out of you. Sometimes you get to open up new boss fights in this game loop. So you do it again. And then you do it again. And it's starting to become what's going on. So this is kind of the main problem the game suffers from is these in-game loops. You keep looping and you keep looping and you keep looping until something happens. That's why I put the spoiler warning up is because these game loops are leading to something. And what it ends up leading to is the final boss in Aerie. And... She ends up revealing, uh, sorry, I'm trailing thought just so I can put, process this properly. The, the idea is that Norende and the earthquake and all that stuff was a sign. Ares been messing with Agnes and the party to bring about this character known as Ouroboros. The main idea is that the worlds are syncing up and there are alternate realities and alternate dimensions and they're all kind of being in sync. Everything has to be in sync for the things to work. And then once there are enough game loops and everything now in alignment, now Ouroboros can explode out of the earthquake and explode out of the crystals and everything will just go to shit and you can't stop them. Well, you've played a video game and then they stop them and whatever. But again, that, that, lie, that flies in the face of you're trying to tell a story that Aerie is you know, actively working against you, but you're doing it in a way that's actively forcing you to keep your levels, to keep your stuff in a new game plus, but not really even a new game plus because you're not redoing the game. This is all one playthrough. So it's not like you're taking your characters through the journey again. You're taking it through a journey again because the story demands that you do it, not because you want to. So these game loops are happening, and yes, you're gaining new aspects of it, but you're fighting the bosses over again. There's not really anything different going on. It's the characters learning things about the world here and there, and I, I give them some credit for trying it, but it's still one of those like frustrating, you could have found a different way to do this. You could have had a different looking city. You could have had them all shuffled around. You could have had, you know, like the Duchy of Eternia being in danger of being taken over by Caldisla, for example. You know, a multiverse idea where it's completely different. No, it's it's the same loops over and over, and you're slowly piecing together that people kind of understand what's going on in other loops, but it's like the mechanics at play, the way they go about it was a missed opportunity. 
so they had a cool idea in theory, but in execution is lacking because you're redoing a lot of the things that you're doing before. So, nah, you know. That's been Bravely Default's legacy, has been that game loop. When everybody, anybody talks about it, they like it, but they're reticent to recommend it because they know that that mid-game blur is there. So it's it's really frustrating because the game holds up surprisingly well. Say if they remade it for a for a, a modern consoles because it was for the DS back then and eventually 3DS I think, but mostly DS back then because that's a while ago. So they're not really accessible on switch and playstation and whatnot so if they brought them back you know it would be nice i would love that but within reason it would still be one of those like really weird which which sucks again because i talked about all the nuances of the fighting system and how much you can you can experiment and tinker with things and do all that um, the music is really good too. I found myself when rewatching footage and, you know, playing it again myself way back when it, the battle themes were really good. Some of the town themes were very catchy. Uh, I found, um, I found the fire crystal city and the water crystal city florum specifically really, really catchy. And, I think it was Hearthchild was was the city. I know Florum. I know Florum. I remember Florum. I think I want to say it's Hearthchild or or whatever, but the the city of fire. And you know, I I remember also the Wind City and Chime. It was like I can remember some cities offhand that I can't remember all of them because I'm dumb. But but suffice it to say, the city themes are really good. The battle themes are really good. The boss theme is the thing I think people remember the most. And it's good because if you're going to fight the boss themes, you have one for normal bosses. Then you have one for the asterisk bosses. And the asterisk bosses, I I think you will know our name or they will know our name. Something like that. I believe that's the name of it. That's the one that's been remembered and remastered and covered by a lot of artists. I think Gay Metal um johnny atma did one i'm sure everybody's probably done a cover of this but look look those songs up the entire soundtrack is pretty good when i think about it it's really interesting and and they've got like cool world building mechanics like people in the you know norende are trying to rebuild the city so if you have like extra street pass stuff or extra people and per day you can use stuff to build stuff and you get like sp markers and other things for battles for like special moves it's like hey do this to unlock this thing you know they're not super amazing benefits but they're they're a reason to like keep your ds and 3ds open so that you know cuz in game time can quickly move things so if you have one guy it takes like an hour but if you have two it takes half an hour to do this thing and then you build it so while you're the game's going on the other mini game goes on and you can get buffs and status boosts and equipment and junk like that um but i do want to talk about positives and negatives overall in the game and i'll start with the negatives first the game loop sucks i'm not gonna lie the game loop does drive the game 
down quite a bit if they'd retooled it like i said if they'd made it a multiversal kind of thing where we flip the script and some of the people that were your friends are now your enemies and your friend your enemies are now your friends that like you were now on attorney's side fighting it back against cal Disler or whatever that would be a kind of cool mechanic rather than fighting the bosses over again just because the game is trying to tell you something <laughs> get to it you know um so it's one of those frustrating things where they have an idea, but they don't really, they don't, they flesh it out story-wise, but gameplay-wise, it suffers. Because it's a fine line when you want to try that kind of game-looping thing. It works for a game-looping game when it's that entire core, but time travel and time manipulation and all that stuff is very, very tricky alternate dimensions and all that stuff that's when you kind of get into stories it's a very fine line and if you don't do it properly and it's worse like if it's a movie it's one thing because you still have the dialogue to go through but it's a shorter experience so maybe you can get away with it in a video game specifically an rpg when you're redoing boss fights of stuff you've done before just to drive home the point of a plot change it's not the best thing um speaking of not the best things the improper builds can make boss fights really fucking ugh, mostly asterisk fights and again they are meant to be you know trial and error which of these synced job types you know support offensive magic defensive magic buffing your bp making sure you're a battery avoiding damage in specific turns doing pure damage physical or otherwise you know what are the tinkering little mechanics and if you min max and you're good at like figuring out little nuances of the battle system i'm kind of stupid when it comes to that so i always found like if if the game veers a little too far into oh god you have to know all the mechanics and do it it's kind of mm, overwhelming overwhelmed by choice i am not great when i'm overwhelmed by choice but it's not a bad thing i will stray that i will say that much if you love that sort of versatility in your job system it's great if you know what you're doing otherwise it could be overwhelming to do it by choice because there are ways that you can think okay how does the chemist job work if you think this thing then you do this thing and then it will turn into the you know the chemist job it's like having a spreadsheet open and it's like this potion adds with this potion and it turns into this move and it turns into that move but if you have a blue mage you can do this and you can you know that sort of stuff some people can wrap their head around it and they do that shit like the, like it's nobody's business or they play the game over and over and over if this is like a first playthrough and you're just you know, in your head, you're just like, what do I do? And the bosses are framed that way. You have to kind of know innately what the bosses are doing. It's kind of like the SMT thing where you have to experiment and know what these bosses are capable of, even if you know asterisk-wise like what their tendencies would be. You have to know what their game loop is, but you also know how to damage them. So again, it's... 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 The bosses are built very tanky. So you either get it and you figure this stuff out and it becomes a puzzle, which is which is fun. 
in most cases, but it can lead to a frustration. If you don't have the system down right, it can make for a very long, very prolonged, very arduous experience that feels almost insurmountable. Is that part of the charm? You know, bear that in mind. I'm one of these people that's more story and character focused. I could care less about how a battle system works. If it's functional, I don't really give a shit. If I just want to get through it so I can get to the story stuff. So it's not the worst system I've ever played. It's just be aware that sometimes you're going to be in a situation where these boss fights might take a long time. Even with the benefits of the brave and the default thought processes. Now, not every boss is going to be like that. And the random encounters don't mean shit. Because you can just run right through them that's the idea so the boss fights themselves are meant to be these like mental exercises do the thing to do the thing to get the thing to do the damage and then wait for this turn to do this you know you have to go through that because the random encounters aren't gonna be that way you just run through off shot through it you can't really bulldoze this game if you tried maybe if you leveled up quite a bit you could probably do it mindlessly but after that point, it veers into, is this entertaining as a boss anymore? So bear that in mind. So I'm kind of putting that in the, yeah, but, you know, different strokes for different folks. That's a gameplay sort of mechanic. What I will say is a negative, and I am going to be steadfast about it, is ring a bell. Because I want to like him. I like Spike Spencer. And if you play the Japanese version, I'm sure the Japanese voice actor is good too. But as a character... These guys are very, 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 very basic. Tiz doesn't do much. He's a dork. Agnes is, this is unacceptable. I'm a sheltered girl, and I'm sad. Adia is awesome. She just bitches at everybody and says everything sucks, but, you know, she at least has some kind of, like, gumption and whatever. But ring a bell he is trying way too goddamn hard. It's one of those situations where you you veer way too much into comedy because he's the comic relief. But his form of comedy comes in the form of being a Zadon, being a Teddy. Shut the fuck up. Stop hating on girls. It is dumb. I get it. It's one of those character tropes. It's when you actively are that thing and you are only that thing and the game expects you for 20 30 40 hours to be that so that when you're trying to figure out that hey he has other things going on you're just you're just sick of him talking because he's just i'm the horny guy that does the stupid stuff and i make all the jokes aren't i funny huh? you know the i'm super suave but i'm dumb about it but i don't shut the fuck up either if it was once or twice or three times a game, sure, I could get over it. But it's like watching Zidane in the first two discs of Final Fantasy IX and being like, shut the fuck up! You're not good at it! Stop! So this veers into Zidane territory rather than Edgar, who is more like, yeah, it's his character, but you can still tell that he's more focused on trying to like save the world, you know? It's kind of nice. It's like, Teddy, you want to like him, but every other line is like, what's scoring a hot stud? It's just, what the fuck? I get what you're going for. Just shut the fuck up. Anyway, moving on to the good stuff. Uh-huh. 
I do like that despite my complaints about how bosses can be frustrating, the the vast array of options is better than having no options at all. If you are stuck, and this is the big problem I had with 3, I don't know why I said it that way, with Final Fantasy 3, as much as the options were there, it did feel like some of the jobs were mandatory at certain parts of the game. Say, Dark Knight against the guys in certain caves that would split. You know, enemies would split if you did normal damage, so you're forced to use this damage type to do a thing against the guy. Uh, the final boss is only killable by this thing and this job, and fuck you if you have a plan. Or you have to be a mage type to go through a thing. It's, it's a cool idea in theory, but in a, in a game that's trying to teach versatility, you're sunk and locked in. Final Fantasy V does not have that. So you can get through a boss fight in any way imaginable. There are still preferable ways of doing it, but you can do it if you try. That's what the Bravely system is. For my complaints about the damage, like the bosses having too much HP, it's better that than and having the versatility than they're easy bosses, but they're done in five seconds because you can just, you got one option and you do the thing. You punch them and they're done. You know, if you're a person that likes the versatility of a battle system, this is going to be that. It's Final Fantasy V battle system on steroids. Um, the soundtrack is amazing. I I have Anchime and and Florum kind of bouncing in my head now that I'm thinking about it. I've got those boss themes stuck in my head. They're really fucking good. Um, they're really good. I I think going through Eternia and fighting people that Idia knows, Idia, god damn it, Idia in this game, Idia in the second, ugh, see how annoying it gets, fighting Idia's stuff over and over, finding people that were her comrades or were her superiors or even her family, fighting her family, this game doesn't fuck around, it can get pretty dark. Despite all the times Rigabell tries to lighten the mood because he won't shut the fuck up, it still has moments of, you know, it, it'll have moments of derf and dupe and, you know, just stupid, you know. But by and large in the story, the consequences you have matter. Characters die. Stuff happens. Stuff gets blown up. It's not on the scale of, say, a Final Fantasy IX or a Final Fantasy VI, but it still has that level of, of depth to it. And again, most of it has to do with Idea because she's, you know, fighting Eternian forces a majority of the time. But you still have things from Agnes's perspective and, and Tiz trying to, you know, remake the world because of their own purposes. And Ringabell is trying to get his memories back. While he's not hitting on girls, you fucking asshole! Anyway, last thing I want to mention, no random encounters. Oh my fucking god, have I ever mentioned that I hate random encounters in video games? Because I might have mentioned it a few times, and oh god, I get a chance to rail on that again. I like to get through a game and not have to run and fight at the game's pace. I like to be able to choose that I can go through a fucking thing and get things that I want when I want to get them. 
especially an old school game like this where there's a lot of random encounters. And I did mention that the dungeon design, basing itself off of the engine of the other early game, is kind of crap because it's a lot of like windy, twisty, ma twisty mazes and finding switches to doors. The environments themselves are kind of, eh. you know, they're not really expansive. This is it's 3D, but not really because it's kind of like the same worlds, the same design, the same caves, all that stuff over and over, and it kind of leads to a, these dungeons don't look great the towns look amazing but the 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 dungeons leave a lot to be desired because you're in a lot of forts you're in a lot of caves you're in a lot of castles and the dungeon floors the dungeon designs don't leave a lot and you're always fighting dudes so this was the first game i remember where you could go into the menu and you could turn random encounters all the way off full stop so if you want to just go in and find every item and then park your ass in front of the boss room and just fight all day, you can do that. What an amazing concept. You can choose whether you want to slog through a dungeon and use your resources the original way, or you can park your ass in a save point and fight and fight and fight and fight. But you have the items that you were going to look for anyway. Yes, I understand the allure of, hey, I'm looking for the items and not having the the a problem of, I'm going to run into a boss fight, I'm going to run into whatever, I'm going to, you know, not having that rails down the difficulty and rails down the experience in exploration. I'm not one of those people. Random encounters drag me down quite a bit. That's why I like on-field encounters like a Tales game or a Persona game or late-stage Final Fantasy, um, you know, because random encounters just happen. You're trying to get through a you're trying to get through a door and you're like one step away from the door or you forget, "Oh shit, I haven't hit the switch. I got to go back and do the thing." I see this a lot when I'm trying to play say the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. I will turn that shit off. I will turn those encounters off if I know I've missed a if I've missed a chest. But the benefit is I don't have to do it, right? And this is not even just for content purposes. This is just for me. Like even for content purposes, I sit there and go, if I can turn the game off or turn the battles off so I can go save and shut the thing off, that's great. You know, like I get stuck, you know, at a bus stop or something, especially for a game like this which was designed for portable platforms. Maybe not so much for stuff on consoles now while you're at home, but I, I'm i five steps from the door. I'm almost there. I'm almost Oh, uh, it's another fight. I forgot. There's a there's a chest over there. I got to go to fight. Okay, five fights. Uh, so, yes, it's a, it's a risk-reward kind of thing. But you also have to remember that I've been playing these games over and over and over and over and over and over and over forever. And some games do not have any means. They don't have an accessory. They don't have a toggle switch. They don't have a nothing. Bravely Default was one of the first games that I remember that had the toggle switch ingrained in the menu right away. So it's an option. And that's the thing that I don't understand about the get good mentality and that why people complain about changes and difficulties and different settings and whatever. If people want to do a certain thing a certain way, you should be allowed to play a game a certain way. You're not being stopped from 
I want to fight every battle the way I used to in Final Fantasy One and do it the way I want to do it. I don't want the same amount of I want the same amount of experience. I want the same fights, the same whatever. I just want it to look nicer. I don't want the random encounters to be turned off. That's perfectly valid. So you, as a player, can choose to do that. Original experience, original money, original classes, encounters the way they used to be. And do it that way. You get that experience. If you're someone like me who wants to get through a room at their leisure because they missed something or they're trying to run through a thing and can't be asked to fight another random encounter against another fight that I've done a million fucking times, I kind of like having the option of going through a dungeon at my leisure. Am I missing anything from the experience? No, because I'm playing it the way I want to. The fact that a game met me in a way that I wanted to is kind of nice. Because if you want to do a game your way, you're allowed to do a game your way. If I want to play a game on an easier difficulty, I could do it that way. Default system is, hey, if you want to fight your way through a dungeon, go at it. You want to fight all our shit but not any trouble? Do that. You just want to get through the next room and then turn them back on? You can do that. So, if, so it's the ability to choose the gameplay that I want. If it devolves into a treasure hunt and then I just fight for an hour to level up for the boss, okay. That was my choice. I didn't have to wait half the game to get a Moogle charm or a charm bangle or whatever thing or the ability to ever so often, right near the end of the game, get to choose what I wanted to do. The game gave me the option right away. That's why every... A uh, remaster of the Final Fantasy games, uh, outside of ten, I think, have had that feature. One through six in the Pixel remaster, you can choose fights as you want. You can do that. Seven, eight, and nine, you want to turn the random encounters off and zoom right through the room. You can do that. This was the first game I remember that, right from the start of the game, you could just turn it off. It is such a freeing experience. The reason I bring that up is because I was living through like 10 to 15 years of games that did not, or I'd have to find games that had different ways of going about it, like enemies on the screen, so I can run around them if I didn't want to fight them. Random encounter systems do not allow you that luxury, so that's why I'm such a bitch about it. So again, everybody's different. It changes the dynamic of the game when you either have it on or have it off. But when you don't have the choice to do a game your way, you're playing by the game's rules rather than letting the game give you the options. And having more options, much like the battle system, is important. So there are a lot of things I like about Bravely. And in the end, it's still a game that if it gets re-released on modern consoles somewhere around the road, I've heard that they will but they haven't confirmed it. So it's kind of like they could, but they're not doing it yet. Like this is going to be one I want to play, right? Despite some of the complaints and some of the annoyances, it's still something that's there to be enjoyed, something that I want to enjoy. And hopefully I've made it a point that it's a playable game for many different reasons and many different playstyles, so that you can find what works for you. That's the level of versatility that this game provides you, and it's a great experience. But that will do it for this week. 
and let's see what's on the docket. Because I'm recording this on a different day than I normally am, so I'm going to have a second podcast this week, or at least a second recording for me. And that will be Gungrave, a, a show based on a game that's sort of like Trigun, but sort of not. Sort of like a mobster show, but sort of not. Sort of a monster mash show, but sort of not. A little bit of everything. Um, August 13th will be Final Fantasy VII Side Quests. The whole gamut of them. The stuff that's just there for five seconds and done. The stuff from Gold Saucer. The mini bike. Or the or the bike chasing. The snowboarding. The submarine. You name it. I'll look through all of the game. Whether I remember them all off the top of my head or I don't. You would think I would. It's the game I've played the most in my life. But, but yeah, I will dig through them. Dig whether they were useful in the game or not. Helpful in the game or not. Or really, really dumb. And what I think could happen with Final Fantasy VII Remake, if they do them or not, um, will they do them? I don't know. Or will they do them justice and make them better? Who knows? Some have already shown up, like Fort Condor is redone in a different way. You know, so it's interesting to talk about. And August 20th will be Trigon Stampede. I've already reviewed Trigon earlier this year in part because Stampede was coming out. So I was already, I think I recorded that episode like three weeks into the season. And let me tell you, Trigon Stampede surprised me because the first couple of episodes, I wasn't getting into it at all. It was too dour, it was too stupid, and it was, it was, just, it was too stiff. And I liked Trigon where it's stiff, like the ending, like I... I felt like the stupid shit made the the harder edges near the end of the show worth it. But then Stampede just said, no, we're not doing any of the stupid shit. We're going to make this a bit more dour. Not insufferable, mind you, but it's going to be a lot more dour, a lot more serious. But what it took was a couple extra characters to balance out Vash and Roberto and Meryl Specifically, Wolfwood. Once Wolfwood got in the picture, it got better. And it actually ended up being a really good show. And it ended up answering a lot of the criticisms that people were labeling at it at the beginning. And, of course, it had that opening theme that was fucking amazing. It was one of the best opening themes of any anime ever. <laughs> so, so yeah, it had that, too. Um but I'll talk about Trigon Stampede so I can kind of close off Trigon for now. It's going to get a second season because, of course, it is. It's Trigon. They brought it back for a reason. Um, but I was impressed by it, and I will talk about it. But for now, I will call this an episode for Bravely Default. And I will see you guys next time. Citizen Strive, signing off. <laughs>